It's finally over. We have survived. The Miami Dolphins are awesome now. They're much better. It's Super Bowl is the next stop. And star of the show, Adam Beasley, would you agree with that opening? Oh, of course. Uh, if they're not even money to make the Super Bowl, uh, Vegas is getting robbed. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> they're not even money to make the Super Bowl right now. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay, here's the number one question, Armando. Are they better today than they were January 1st? That's a great question. And Chris Greer was asked that question, and Brian Flores was asked that question. And, you know, the answer that I wanted was yes. Did we get a yes to that answer? Uh, we feel very strongly about the players we drafted. I think that was the answer. I mean, uh, look, I'm, I'm – really? How about a yes? Tell me that, yes, you're, you're better. Tell me that you've can I answer the Can I answer the question? Go ahead. Yes, they're better. I actually think they are a better team. I think they're a more complete team. Uh, and if the questions get answered at quarterback, they're going to be a very good team. Well, as the Miami Dolphins uh, Parisian uh, fan club would say, pourquoi? <laughs> uh, because uh, they have more 1-53 to depth than they have before. They got rid of contracts of players that weren't performing. They've gotten younger. They've gotten more athletic. Certainly, they've gotten faster. Team speed was a huge issue last year. And I think not only that, all these rookies they started, they were the youngest team in the, the NFL for the second straight year last year, have another year of experience. So they're backfilling some of their C players with B, maybe even A players, and their young players from last year are not all of them, but a lot of them are going to take a step forward. So uh, the arrow is up for me with the Miami Dolphins. That's fair, and there's nothing that you said is wrong. A, a small quibble, so they got rid of players that weren't performing. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, to their contracts, to their contracts. Kyle Van, well, <laughs> Kyle Van Noy was Kyle Van Noy. He he did what he always has done. No. Same with Shaq Lawson. They were just overpaid. Yeah, uh, the Dolphins had overpaid. The, have we talked about Eric Flowers leaving yet? I don't think we got to it. Can we do the quick, uh, you know, ninety seconds on? Eric Flowers. Hey, what this is a 40-minute show. Take 120 seconds. Oh, thank you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, what, uh, what, what are your thoughts on Eric Flowers? Uh, look, I, I respect the idea that they want to uh, put Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley as their starters at guard, uh, and that would have made Eric Flowers a progress stopper. I just don't like that the Dolphins are this team that pay players to go play for somebody else. It bothers me when they do that. They did that with Ryan Tannehill, and they're doing that with a bunch of guys, and they they basically are – it's like Stephen Ross has a lot of money, so let's spend it. And I just don't like that whole dynamic. Yeah, so <laughs> – Here's the truth about that. Uh, they spent $50 million, 5-0 in cash, not funny money, cap money, in actual cash. $50 million in cash on Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, 
Jordan Howard, and who's the fourth one I'm forgetting? Uh, Eric, oh, Flow- Eric Flowers. Yeah, Eric Flo- Eric Van Noy, uh, uh, Shaq Lawson, Flowers. Uh, and and um, and Jordan Howard, those four players yeah. cleared fifty million dollars last year, and uh, the Dolphins got mediocre to bad play out of all of them. Right, but the the more painful part of that, Adam, is also you know people don't realize cap space carries over. Mm-hmm. So if you don't spend it in twenty twenty, um, you have it in twenty twenty one. If you overspend in 2020, that amount of overspend is less that is subtracted from what you have in 2021. So this year, right now as we speak, the Miami Dolphins cannot afford to sign all of their draft picks, correct? Correct. If they had, at the very least, not overpaid for the players that you spoke of, um, they would be able to do that because they would have been, regardless of the fact that the salary cap went down, they'd be swimming in cap space. But, you know, uh, cap space is, is not exactly this uh, out there in the orbit and no one really knows about it. It's there or it's not. And right. I know that everybody says, well, you can create cap space. Yes, but you can't carry it over. And so if you did it one year and you messed up, you're going to pay a price the next year. And right now, the Dolphins are paying a price for that. I agree. And uh, I don't think you can uh, defend those signings because the Dolphins didn't even try to defend those signings. They got rid of all four of those players within a calendar year of of signing them. But I've given this actually a lot of thought. I kind of understand what they did. 2019 was the teardown year, and you, you, you played a bunch of guys in 2019 that probably shouldn't have been, even been in the NFL. 2020 had to be a step forward, and you needed to generate some veteran presence. You needed to get guys in there that had been through the wars that can, could help these young guys along. And sometimes you have to pay a premium in free agency. Now, could they have made smarter choices with who they signed there? Sure. Uh, but we didn't crush them for any of those signings at the time. They just didn't pan out for, for whatever reason. It's not like those any of those players were bad players when they came to the Dolphins. They just weren't worth the money that they were paid. So I think what they did was I think they were okay with paying a premium to help these young guys along. And now in 2021, they're helped along. Like there, there's, there, they, there's a reason they didn't. Well, multiple reasons, one of which is, as you mentioned, the resources were limited, but they could have cleared out cap space if they wanted to. But I think they also believe that that year of development they had in 2020 with all their first and second year players, they needed a a couple of bridge guys. Would they have preferred to sign those bridge guys to one-year deals? Absolutely. And I think if they had to go back and do it again, they would have looked for more one-year deals with veterans. But they made the decision to give multi-year contracts. Some of those deals had some escape clauses that, that let them get out of it with minimal pain. Eric Flowers did not have one of those escape clauses, by the way. That's why they had to cut him a $6 million check to get rid of him. Um, but that that's, to me, that was their thinking, is that we have this really young team, and we can't we cannot go through what we did in 19, where we have a bunch of young guys who don't know what they're doing with no help. So they got them help. They overpaid clearly for that help. And then when, the, when, when those, those guys they signed had served their usefulness, they just moved on. Okay. I, 
that's fair with some of them. There is no one that's ever going to convince me that they signed Kyle Van Noy to be a bridge player, to be a one-year deal. That just not didn't happen, did not happen. They signed Kyle Van Noy because uh, Brian Flores loved him in New England, coached him at New England, was his position coach uh, in part, and they wanted him to be a leader on this team and play like he did at New England. And you know what? He played like he did at New England, and guess what? They figured out that he didn't work well in the locker room. It didn't go over well. Uh, uh, the other veterans didn't exactly embrace him. And so, therefore, we overpaid. But on the field, he pretty much delivered what he'd always delivered. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think they paid a career $7 million a year player yes. in, in today's market, $13 million. I think that's what they did. You know what's going to be really interesting? The New England Patriots, speaking of the devil, um, what they did this year, in part what the Dolphins did last year. They went out and spend and spent more money than anyone. They broke all sorts of records. As a matter of fact, they broke the Dolphins' offseason spending record. It's going to be very interesting to see where they're at at this time next year. Because if they're in the same place, as what the Dolphins are, where they they paid all this money for all these guys and then get buyer's remorse on, you know, a handful of them, it's going to be very telling about, one, um, the quality of both front offices, two, the, the, it's going to speak to free agency in general, because most people always say you can't build through free agency, and these two teams tried to do that in part, at least, to heights that had never been attained before. And it, and if it doesn't work out like that for New England, if most of their guys hit and they keep everybody, uh, I'm going to look at the Dolphins' uh, experience kind of with a side eye over here because look at them. They spent a lot of money and their guys are still there. You spent a lot of money and you don't have guys – to show for it. So right. what's up you, with that? You've got to pick the right players. I mean, it's as simple as that. No matter how much analytics and smart trading you do and all that, if you pick the wrong players, it's not going to work. Now, I, I think we are – I think a little context is needed because, you know, I'm as guilty of it as anyone's. We, 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 we dwell on the negative. They did win 10 games last year. So the plan kind of worked. It cost them – it probably cost them about $10 million more than it should have for those four guys. But the plan did work to a degree. Now they just have to see if the next step of the plan, which the plan has always been, the broader plan has always been, as you mentioned, build through the draft. And you, you, you get a bunch of guys. They, they, they had limited resources in 19. They had great resources in 20, great resources in 21. Um, and you got to hit on those guys. But um, I, I think we've entered the next stage of, of their rebuild, and this is the time where you should really see them take off because they've had so many high-value picks. What do they have, three first-rounders last year? Do they have two second-rounders last year? Yes. Uh, two first-rounders this year. They had, they have four top 42 picks. Like you, you, Very rarely do you see a draft with, with a team with four top 42 picks. And according to Charlie Cassery, Castlery, I can't speak. You know yes, that's right. Uh, that guy. Uh, each one of those four players that they took had a first-round grade in, on his board. So 
you know, that's obviously the, the, the best case scenario is they got four first rounders. But if, if, you know, three of those four turn out to be really good starters for them, it's a hell of a draft. Now we know why Charlie Casserly is not a NFL general manager anymore if he had all four of those picks as first rounders. Um, just my it's opinion. Not a, well, it's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a huge leap because, what, Eichenberg went No, it's two. a leap. <laughs> it's a leap. Uh, Leo like, Eichenberg is not a first round pick. I like him over that Leatherwood that went in the first round with the Raiders. I think he's a better prospect. Maybe, but his arms are way shorter. And that's a problem. Well, well, okay. What's what, what's NFL what's NFL what, offensive tackles? Because uh, Barry and I discussed uh, the first Who's round. Barry? Yeah, Barry Jackson, who was kind okay. enough to fill in for you uh, after the Did draft. Did he do a good job? Was he better than me? Well, it was. It was. There's no better or worse. There's just different. And the different was I had to talk. I had to talk a lot less. Like when Barry's hosting the pod, it's like hitting the play button. You you just sit back for the next three and a half minutes. Uh, I got to I got to carry my own weight on this show, not when Barry's the guest. You're the but, star of but, the show, of course you got to yeah. carry your own weight. <laughs> Good point. So we 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 broke down and we discussed ad nauseum uh, online on the pod on Twitter, all, you know, in the paper, the first two picks. But I think the next three are really fascinating in a lot of ways. Um, and and they and I think the Eichenberg pick, who was their fourth of those top forty-two picks, four top forty-two picks they had. Uh, gives them what they always want, and they say they want in the offensive line, which is flexibility. And I know they're going to, you know, probably give him a look at right tackle, but it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he, his, his eventual destination is a left guard, and you'd have two really good players on the left side of the offensive line. Cool. So, um, who is your favorite pick of the seven players that the Miami Dolphins selected over the weekend? Oh, oh, that's a great question. Oh, my favorite pick? I'm a professional at asking questions, my brother. Yeah, that is I get paid excellent. to do that. Uh, Hunter Long, because he can do the Rubik's Cube in 42 seconds. Very nice. And yeah. also he builds computers in his garage. A little sneak peek. Well, it might not be a sneak peek by the time this runs because I'm writing it today on Tuesday and this will air on Wednesday. But I got a chance to talk to his uh, tight ends coach up at BC a uh, really interesting guy is going to be a really good player for the Dolphins. So I think he's probably their best value. Getting him at 81, um, he could be your starter at tight end 2022. That's stunning. That That is stunning, dude. You've surprised me. So ask me the same question I asked you. Who is your favorite player that the Dolphins took in the 2021 NFL draft? Jalen Phillips. Yeah. Jaylen. Phillips. You can't see because this is an audio medium, but I'm throwing up the U right now. Yes, Jalen Phillips. So Jalen Phillips scares other teams, and I wrote that today uh, in the Mondo um, overview of the draft. I was told by one NFL personnel department person, the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, and the New York Jets had a bad moment, they're having a bad day, they're going to have a bad nine or ten years, however long he plays, if he stays healthy. They're not happy that Jalen Phillips is on the Miami Dolphins. Jalen Phillips, that That, is the guy. That is awesome. I am pumped. Um, No, seriously, because if, if, if that's the case, it bucks a trend. Because they, when they take pass rushers early with this team, it doesn't yeah. always pan out very well. Oh, no. So uh, if 
if they he can be that dude and give them 10, 12 sacks a year for the next nine years, sign me up for that. That'd be awesome. They're still trying to replace Cam Wake. This team is still trying to replace Cam Wake. Yeah, I mean, their their best pass rushers of the last 15 years have been an undrafted guy that they got from Canada and another University of Miami play, player, Olivier Vernon, um, who didn't make it to a second contract because they didn't pay him early enough. Right. So if Jalen Phillips can avoid injuries, and obviously he's got an injury history, right, specifically with concussions, but if he can avoid that, um, I think that physically there's no reason why he can't be an outstanding NFL player. He has every tool that you need to be an outstanding NFL edge rusher. Uh, and I, my guess is that the Dolphins are going to coach him up and, and get the best out of him. And I think it's going to be pretty impressive to see. Yeah, that's great. And and the good news is they don't have to throw him right into the fire because it's not like even though they they needed edge depth and certain help, certainly help, and they need pass rushers, um, they, they don't need him to play, you know, 55, 60 snaps as a, a game as a rookie. Uh, I could see him being a rotational uh, outside linebacker. Um, a lot will depend probably on, on Vince Beagle's health, but he'll be the, you know, in, in the top three of their outside linebackers. And, and again, depends on what they do with McKinney because it's, you know it's entirely possible McKinney eats up some of those outside linebacker snaps too. Um, but he's going to be on the on the field in third downs, and not only is he going to be on the field in third downs, Armando, he is a ideal an ideal Omiba defense defender because yes, he can play outside linebacker. Yes, he can play four three defensive end. Yes, he can play four three defensive tackle and rush up the middle on passing downs because he's a 265-pound guy, 270-pound guy. He can give you push up the middle too, which is – I mean, you, you talk to defensive offensive coordinators, that's what gives quarterbacks the most fits. It's, you know, it's great to get pressure off the edge, but if you collapse the pocket from up the middle, you're really disrupting their passing game. So I agree completely. I, I think it was a really good pick. Look, I, you know, I don't want to be accused of being a homer here, but I, I it, it, we, can, we can certainly – criticized their decision to move from three to six because it made them it, – it, it allowed them to miss out on the two best skill position players. But once they had made that decision, literally everything they've done since – and I'm not going to talk about the seventh-round you know, seventh guys because I had never heard of them before uh, Saturday afternoon. But I can't find a, a huge reason to criticize them because, yes, you know they, they needed a running back and Najee Harris was there at 18, but they needed a pass rusher more, in my opinion. And uh, – they had been talking about internally about finding a replacement, long-term replacement for Bob McCain and Eric Rowe all along, and they got a guy who can play both safety positions and nickel corner, and if you really need him in a pinch, can play on the boundary too. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really encouraged, and 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 I'm I'm not alone. I mean, I think you, you listen to a lot of these pundits, and they they're throwing bouquets at the Dolphins today. So it's we're in a weird spot, Armando, when the Dolphins are the darlings of the NFL. Yeah, I don't know that they're the darlings of the NFL. The NFL still has a team named the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> so there's that. And also there's Kansas City. And also there's the Buffalo Bills. But, hey, it's all good. So you rather have Javon Holland than Javante Williams, right? Well, we'll get into that on the other side of the break. So, so ask me that question again. I would rather have Javon Holland than whom? 
Javante Williams, running back, Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos vaulted the Dolphins to get ahead of them to pick Javante Williams, running back, North Carolina. Do you think, me personally, I I, I would have given up, you know, they probably didn't know the Broncos were going to jump them like that. They probably saw who was on the clock. It was the Falcons. They probably saw the Falcons on the clock and knew they needed a bunch of help in positions other than, than running back, and they were feeling pretty good about Williams being available to them at 36. Here's the thing, Armando. I don't know they would have taken him. They would have I mean, taken they, him, Adam. You're, you're, you're confident they would have taken him? A hundred percent. Well, then they, they, they did He was old. the pick. They were they, they you've been told this? Yes. Well, then they 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 got they got uh they got caught napping a little bit, I guess, but you look at their history and they don't they don't value running backs, certainly not in the first round, and if you're going to give Brian Flores a chance between a versatile defensive back and a running back, he'll take the DB every day of the week. So, that's a that, that would have been a change in their history. Arizona <laughs> well, I, I don't think Brian Flores was alive when Zonk was bowling people over. Ricky Williams? He was alive when Ricky Williams was bowling people over. Two first-round picks for Ricky Williams. Two? Yeah. Two first-round picks for Ricky how, how, many, how many playoff games did they win with Ricky Williams? Wow. They Wow. Wow. Just I, I, mean, I'm, I mean, you look, the analytics tell you it's a dumb thing to take a, a running back in the first round. The, the teams that do live to regret it because they don't get nearly the value out of that position they would at other the positions that, you know, corner and offensive tackle and obviously quarterback and, and wide receiver. The same a- analytics say it's brilliant to take a running back in the second round. <laughs> well, and according that's what to, we're talking about. According to your reporting, they were very close to doing so. They, they they wanted to do do so. I mean, you think about it. Uh, there's a lot of great second round running backs playing in the NFL, I believe. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, look, they didn't do it. It's it's it it's going to be fine. Javon Holland is a good player. He's going to be a good player, I think. And I wrote wrote as much in today's editions of the Mighty Miami Herald. Um, I I don't know. <laughs> I at some point, have, I'd at rather some have point, Javante Williams. Yeah, at some point, it's going to catch up to them not having uh, that dude as a running back, and that dude is and the general that dude. Um, maybe it's this year, maybe it's not, but they 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 need better than Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed and who's the kid from the Rams. Yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm uh, Brown, Malcolm Brown. Brown. Yeah, they were pumping up as the answer for their need at running back. I mean, really? I mean, come on. Okay, I think we can agree then that running back is you know the the the, the weakest group of that team. But if you're going to have a weak group, running backs are not a bad one to have because teams win without dominant running backs all the time. I've got another great question lined up on deck, but first, before I do that, Derrick Henry, second round. Dalvin Cook, second round. Jonathan Taylor, second round. Uh, let's see. I think Nick Chubb was a second round pick, right? Was he? Yeah, not? there's there's definitely value in the second round. There's no doubt about that. Yes. So yes. So I'm I'm two thousand yard rusher. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crush them for passing on Najee Harris because I think uh, for this team. Long term, 
Jalen Phillips would be more impactful than Najee Harris would have been. I agree. However, um, the, you, the Falcons couldn't have done them a solid and said, hey, man, we got Denver moving up. You got any interest in flipping picks and, and give us a, you know, a fifth-round pick in return? Uh, it that would was have been, it, it would have been actually to the Falcons' uh, benefit to do that. Because the way that you, you know, create a, a better pick, a, a better trade is to get multiple teams interested. Mm-hmm. And so if I was the Falcons and Denver is offering me X to vault the Dolphins, my next call on the down low is to the Dolphins and say, they're going to offer me X to vault you. Do you want to do more to come up one spot? Uh, that's what I would have done. But, you know... The Falcons are the Falcons, and the Broncos are the Broncos, and the Dolphins don't have a great running back, and that's fine. Yeah. So here's the question that I wanted to ask you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I totally whiffed. What it's the a, hell? It's a free-flowing show. I mean, these things happen. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So do you think that – you know, Najee Harris, great. But do you think they might have drafted Travis Etienne ahead of him? Ahead of Najee Harris? Yeah. Um, maybe. Uh, that's that, that's a, uh, I don't have any information on that, but it's it's possible. <laughs> they they probably wouldn't have slighted him like the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> did you hear what Urban Meyer said? Yes, I did. He he, he said, uh, you know, he's going to be a great change of pace third down back. And I'm right. thinking. You used a first round pick on the dude. Right. You, you don't you don't use spot you don't take guys in the first round to be spot players. You can get those guys throughout the draft or maybe even off the streets. Like you can find speedy undersized running backs uh you know in the sixth or seventh round uh who can who can give you a change of pace and give you twenty, twenty five snaps a game. All right. So are you happy with um Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, and Holland, or would you have preferred Kyle Pitts, Jalen Phillips, Javante Williams? Oh. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, and no first round pick in twenty twenty three. Yes, that's that's the point I was gonna make is yeah, that's it's not in a vacuum, obviously. But certainly <laughs> yes. If you're if you're saying would you take Inarguably, the number one prospect, not a quarterback in the NFL draft. Yes, I would prefer that scenario. Again, you're not, you know, Williams versus Holland. I'm not going to get all worked up over. But, yeah, of course, I would rather have the guy that everyone's saying is a generational talent. The Dolphins consciously made that decision. I mean, they had to have known when they made that trade that that was a possibility. They had to have known it. So you think what of the Jalen Waddell draft? The pick itself? Yes. Compared to as to what they could have gotten or compared to what no, they No, just what, what, what do you think of that pick? Oh, oh no. I, all I, encompassing. I think you've listened to Nick Saban and he say he's one of the most dynamic positions at players at the position he plays he's ever seen. That's very high praise. There have been some really good wide receivers come through the Alabama program and you know, he's he's coached football in both a collegiate and the NFL level for a very long time. Uh, I don't think he that's hyperbole. I think he means it. And what was this team missing last year, Armando? Suddenness. 
the ability to take a five-yard play and make it a 50-yard play, the ability to create separation, beating a guy in a one-on-one format and getting open so Tua is not afraid to throw him the ball. Because remember, one of the big subplots of 2020 was Fitzpatrick would make the throws that Tua was afraid to make. And now that might not be an issue because you (laughs) you have him and Will Fuller just you're running go routes all day. Good luck. Yeah, ice up. Was it ice up, son? <laughs> was that was that the saying the uh, yep. the receiver said to the corner? I mean, you, you're you're going to have to run against this team. So, no. I, I, if you're asking me, would I take a Waddle over Devontae Smith? I've been on record saying I think they should, and I'm glad they did take Waddle over Devontae Smith because I think he's more explosive. I think he gives you a dynamic to the offense that that w- that was lacking. And um, assuming his 180-pound frame holds up over the course of the 16-17 game season, he's going to be productive. He's going. He told me I had a chance to chat with him after the draft. He told me that uh, he expects to and wants to return punts and kicks. That's a dynamic that you know added value. If he gives you, if he look, if he gives you a touchdown or two on special teams every year, which should be the standard because you get that out of Jakeem Grant right now, and you just drafted a guy to replace Jakeem Grant. Uh, if, if if you get a touchdown or two on special teams every year, plus six or seven touchdowns on offense, golden. That's the, that that to me is a, a just fine number six draft pick. That's the uh, that's the floor and the ceiling, really. As a rookie, seven touchdowns this year. Tyree Kill in his worst season in the NFL, seven touchdowns. All purpose he did it as just a rookie. On, all purpose uh, or on offense? Do you know? All purpose. All purpose. Okay. All right, that's, um, I think that's I think that's a I think that's a fair floor. Seven seven touchdowns from Jalen Waddle, and I think that no one will complain about that pick. And because especially this year, you expect them to be better in year two, so that would be great, right? Yes, I I think um, they're going to. I wanted to ask you about this. I mean, I don't think they're going to make him play as an everyday, every down player as a rookie. And to me, it's kind of head scratching that they still have so many established wide receivers on their roster. I thought for sure that they were going to try to flip some of those guys in day three for either draft picks this year or next year for teams that still had needs at wide receiver. I mean, they have, they have their clear, there's a clear top three. Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddle, and Will Fuller. Those are their top three receivers, and it depends on if you can count Kasicki as a wide receiver or not. But those are going to be their top four pass catchers this year. But then they have a ton of number fours and fives that would be just fine, threes or fours, and other teams that need that need players. And the Dolphins didn't move any of them. That that's what surprised me. Oh, who do you think they could have moved? Oh, they they could have gotten an asset for Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns. Look, Jakeem Grant is a second-team All-Pro returner. You can get a seventh-round pick for that. He's he's only making like three million dollars this year. If you if you have a huge hole at returner and you need a guy to be a number four or five wide receiver, give a seventh-round pick. No matter what your seventh-round pick will be in 2021, Jakeem Grant this year will give you more than that. There's no doubt in my mind that he'd be more impactful than any seventh-round pick you can take. So it surprised me. Maybe they want to get to camp with all these dudes and let them compete, but. I mean, there you go through that roster, and then Mac Hollins is still on the team. I mean, there are a lot of guys that I don't see a path to them making the team, but they could help other teams because the Dolphins are. I mean, let's give them credit; they've built up that wide receiver room now. It's they, they've got they've got talent in the top end, and they've got depth now. And I think that's to me that's a huge step forward. 
Yeah, I don't think anybody would have given anything for Jakeem Grant or Alan Hearns or, you know, two guys that have opted out last year. You don't think they could have injury histories, really? The Dolphins couldn't have gotten a backup center, which they still need. They could have gotten that for any one of those players. I think they could have. I don't know. I I think that if they could have, they would have. I I don't know. Maybe. But uh, uh, they got a backup center already. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about Jesse Davis? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to call up the Dolphins roster, and I'm, I'm thinking there are 13 uh, wide receivers on this team. And usually when you have that many, it's a bunch of like undrafted guys. That's not the case. I mean, they have, they have dudes up and down their roster at wide receiver that have played meaningful snaps for them over the last two years. And I just, we, it's, it's a question we should have asked um, uh, the, the Dolphins GM and, and head coach uh, when we got him on Saturday. Like, Chris Greer and Brian Flores. Well, no, I, I know their names. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for the clarification. Um, <laughs> when when we got them on, I was trying to remember what day it was. That was my that was my stumbling point. Uh, why they have what they have? I mean, they signed Robert Foster. Clearly, they see a path for Robert Foster making the team. They just signed him as a free agent. Lynn Bowden. They traded an asset to to acquire him last year. I mean, how are these dudes going to fit in the roster? I, I mean, and I think the short answer is they're not. They're so. Not. What's what's the what's the way to to maximize the value that uh, Dolphins general manager Chris Greer and Dolphins head coach Brian Flores uh, can get uh, for these players? Cut them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not maximizing value. Well, think about this. Jakeem Grant is four point six eight seven five hundred against the cap. If you cut him today, you save two point eight million dollars. If you right. cut him post June first. Post June first is a savings of four million dollars. You don't think the Dolphins can use four million dollars in cap space? Sure, of okay. course they could. And I, and I think the the if if they had landed uh, in a Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, Jakeem would have a much more likely path to the fifty three. Right. To me, the surprising point is when those guys came off the board and the Dolphins went with Waddle. Why didn't they then make take the next step and and either clear that cap space through a trader or just cutting a guy. It's, it's, well, it's, it's like we're, we're three days beyond now or, or four days beyond that pick. Five, but this is Tuesday. And um, these guys are still on the roster. To me, that's a little surprising. Well, here's a plausible reason for that. Like I just mentioned, if you wait till after June 1st to cut Jakeem Grant, you save $4 million. Well, you can – to Hold on. As yeah. opposed to $2.8 million. If you cut, for example, uh, what's his name? Um, Hearns, Hearns. After June 1st, you save $1.2 million as opposed to $766,000. So, and we could do the similar, uh, we could do a similar exercise with Albert Wilson. Post June first is better than pre June first, and the thing is, isn't there a limit to the number of June first guys you can designate? There is, but you can also designate them before June first. You don't have to I, wait. You yes, don't have to wait until then. Correct. So they, but there's they, a they, limit to the number of guys you can designate. 
sure. after June first, you can do everybody if you want. Oh uh, yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't. I'm not into that with we, the weeds that much. The CBA. I don't. I, you might be right. Uh, I just right. thought that there there are so many re- regardless June first cuts that you can make. Uh, I hope you guys wrote down those takes and hold them against me in 12 months when I look like an idiot. <laughs> you never look like an idiot. You are the star of this show and many shows, and we appreciate you uh, keeping company with dumb me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Stop so, it. So there's that. Uh, we appreciate you keeping company with us, as always, on the Dolphins and Death Show. We'll be back next week. We have more stuff left over. The notebook never runs dry. Join us then.